When I was a lad In the time before the war I met my Annabelle Lee She wrapped her warm love Around my heart Never to be set free We said our vows in that little white church At the end of the lane by the mill Our love grew like the tall pine trees On the slopes of our Carolina hills And the sun comes up in the valley And the wheel goes around at the middle In the sweet by and by The angels on high Sing my love for Welcome to this edition of the Wispy Mop Music Acoustic Radio Podcast Series. I'm your host, Todd, middle initial C, Walker. Yes, that's right, it's me. And we are currently listening to the song Annabelle Lee, which is off the 2007 CD called Carry On by Steve Warner and the Rolling Coyotes. He nowadays performs mostly solo or with his good friend Andy Mosholder um, as a duo. And he wrote this song, as he put in the liner notes, This melody came first, the name fit the melody, and the Civil War seemed to be the perfect setting. And since Steve lives in the Shepherdstown, West Virginia area, which is not too far from the Antietam battlefields, it's kind of apropos. And I'm so fortunate to have Steve on the line with me. Steve, how are you? I'm doing great, Todd. How are you? I am doing well, and this has been so much fun for me because I had to search for your CD. I have thousands of cds and i have them stashed all around the house and i could not remember where it was so 
I've had fun the last couple of days re-listening to the CD. It was probably lost in a pile somewhere. You know, I have too many, and too many hiding spots. <laughs> and I wrote a song about that, too, called I'm Your Pile. <laughs> <laughs> You probably you probably remember that. I huh? I do, and you you know it's so interesting in that. And one of the other CDs I have of yours, which I could not find, I call it kind of like it sounds sort of Texas swing. You have a wonderful. First of all, you have a very casual sounding voice. It has that nice low end when you want it. You're able. You you seem to be able to call it forward when needed. In fact, when we exit the show the folks are going to listen to a song that you wrote um, so you could use an ukulele in the recording and it's you've got that deep timber to your voice and it's it's absolutely wonderful but i've described your music as texas swing folk americana how would you describe it um i i, I call myself uh americana folky americana a little on the little on the countryside sometimes i I don't like labels because labels don't really fit the songs that I write. They fit my style a little bit, but but my songs are all over the map. I mean, I I like, I write serious stuff, funny stuff, um, totally off the wall stuff. uh, And and I try to not be genre specific, you know what I mean? I just let the song, you know, I write the next song that's in me basically. And let the let the music serve the song. Now, do you get your inspiration from just sitting around one? You know, you're sitting around or driving or on the golf course or someplace, and all of a sudden you'll think of something, or someone will say something, you go, and you'll kind of store it away. Or how do you go about your songwriting? Uh, I, I, I tell you, Todd, it just it really varies. Um, sometimes it's uh, you know, first of all, I have to I have to be in songwriting mode. And by that, I mean, I don't, I don't get up in the morning and say, I'm going to write a song today. That's the last thing I want to do, <laughs> but, but if if my antenna is up and, and, and receptive to uh, a new song coming along, then that certainly helps the process. But sometimes it just comes from picking up the guitar and noodling around um, maybe playing a chord progression, uh, experimenting with different capo positions, that kind of thing. Sometimes it comes to listening to music. Um, I've, I've written songs that have been inspired by other songs, and um, it kind of uh, it's 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 a process that I've used very successfully. That you know, if I really like something that I hear in a song, particularly a chord progression or whatever, I'll try to go to that key part of that song and and take it, not 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 plagiarize it, but but look at a chord progression and see how that works in that song and it kind of gives me a, a, a jumping off point for a new song. And um, I always worry about you know, am I going to copy what somebody else is doing? And then by the time I finish the song, particularly with with the lyric idea not completely um, ferreted out, um, it ends up being something entirely different. So it's just, I call it jump-starting. Um, but I get a lot of inspiration from listening to to other music and people that I really like. Um, and I get a lot of inspiration and ideas for songs when I'm on the road which uh, these days is kind of hard to do. <laughs> that is so true. 
and hopefully but, um, soon we can get out and, and socialize. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't take many long trips anymore, but uh, but I do have a, uh, a, a a camper, and sometimes I'll just go on a little excursion by myself, take the dog with me. You know, a lot of times songs come along when when I'm by myself. If I'm with my wife, it's, it's not so much. Um, not that she hasn't inspired me in a lot of other ways. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's, it's kind of a solo endeavor when you're writing a song. Now, do you do you go ahead? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't want to be rude when when she's sitting next to me and I'm you know I'm in songland you know driving down the highway. My brain is just kind of I'm 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 on another planet, <laughs> <laughs> and and she senses that. And uh, I mean, so much so that I've missed exits before because I'm I'm working on a song or editing a song in my head <laughs> and I'll go right by the exit I meant to get off of. Now, do you write most of the song in your head before you ever put pen to paper or pencil to paper or however you put it down? Uh, depends on how excited I am about the song, I guess. But, but uh, yeah, I I try to, to me, and, and I've taught songwriting, and I, I really think the best way to write a song is to write it in your head, uh, particularly from from the standpoint of, of melody. Um, but a lot of times what I'll I'll short circuit that a little bit and if I have if I have something that sounds like a good verse idea and something that sounds like a good chorus idea, I may pick up the guitar and fill with it a little bit. But uh, but Typically, I I like to I like to wait until that lyric is finished to really get delve too much into the melody and the chord changes and that type of thing because um, it just I don't know the lyrics lyrics I I, I really work at it and melody kind of if when I get the lyric to where I'm really happy with it the melody kind of writes itself. Which sounds crazy when you describe it to somebody, but um, but it that's just the way it works for me. And if I'm struggling with a song melodically, it's probably because my lyric sucks or it's not finished. You know, it just uh, it seems like the two really go hand in hand. It's a it's a it's a marriage. And um, if one part of it is not working, then uh, you need to divorce that song and go on to something else. Now, how do you keep the uh, the lyric? I'm sorry. Well, how do you keep the lyric in your head? Um, uh, it, I, it's if if I've got a good idea going, um, I I've written songs where I'm driving down the road and and I've gone three or four hours and I write it in. And uh, I have to keep going back over it in my head to do the, some of the editing that needs to be done. There'll still be editing after it's put down on paper, but um, I I don't know how to explain it other than it just it just works for me. If it's something if it's something that I feel is really a good winning idea, winning combination of lyric and music. Um, if I have to get out a little recorder, I used to have a little battery recorder that I took around with me, and um, 
I found that I just I just didn't use it because um, the good stuff you remember, the bad stuff yeah it gets away from you, but uh, it's no great loss. Now, do you find that your initial idea for a song stays true throughout, or does it sometimes morph into something completely different than your original idea? Uh, both, both. Uh, yeah, a lot of times it just, I'll have an idea for verses and a chorus or an idea just for a chorus. And I don't, I don't know where the song's going to go. And, um, I mean, a good way to, I, I think you can't really finish the song unless you know what the story's going to be. And I don't, I don't mean a story in terms of, you know, Every song has a beginning and end, but they're not always, you know, complete stories over you know, time and place and that kind of thing. But uh, but it's it's knowing what you want to say, and you, I can only I like I, I kind of like to outline a song in my head. Okay, I got verse one, I got the chorus, uh, which which uh, you know the verse leads up to the chorus, and chorus supports. You know what I'm trying to say, the overall statement I want to make, and then okay, so what do I do for verse two? Well, maybe there's nothing else more to say. <laughs> and then <laughs> I don't know. You go back to square one. Sometimes you'll write a second verse and then realize, well, that really should be the first verse, or the second verse isn't saying anything different than what the first verse says. So you throw it out and start over again. Uh, some songs, you know, you can tightly wrap into a nice, neat little package by adding a bridge. And a bridge in a song kind of takes you outside of the box a little bit and then brings you back home with the chorus. And I really, I really love writing bridges in songs, but I don't, I, I don't feel it's something that you have to do. Um, I, again, it's, it's the song kind of, the, the lyric and the idea uh, kind of tell you where it wants to go. So it's sort of the so the initial lyric or the 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 first two or three lines are sort of like a roadmap for the rest of the song. Um, in some cases, in in, in many cases they are, but uh, but you know you can you can still follow a roadmap and get lost. <laughs> <laughs> in today's world, you can and follow that, the GPS and, and still get lost. Times, <laughs> or I ran the car off the road, but. Uh, but anyway, it 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 oh, so much of it, as you know, because you're a songwriter. So much of it comes from experience. You know, the more you write, the better you get at it. And uh, I don't, I don't really waste too much time writing bad songs. Uh, and I know that sounds kind of, I don't, I don't mean it to sound arrogant or anything. It, it just, um, I know. I've, I've, I've written so many songs over the years that I kind of know when it's just not working, so I don't bother with it. I'll go on to something else. Well, that brings up the question, since you mentioned you've written many songs over the years, how many songs in your catalog? For rough count, unless uh, you know specifically. Yeah, I, 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 I'm going to guess, and you say it's between three and five hundred Wow. But, uh, I can be off. Um, but only, let me see, I've got four CDs. And that's, that's, uh, 
what's four times 12? The average song is 12 minutes. Uh, so I'd say maybe 50, 75 of those songs are really <laughs> any good. <laughs> or at least in terms of songs I want to keep playing. And a lot of my songs that I, that I have on earlier CDs, I don't play anymore. They, they've just become lost in my as part of my repertoire because better songs have come along and replaced them. Now, did you find... Yeah, go ahead. No, no, you finish your your thought. Oh, I I was just going to say now, you know, particularly when it comes to the performing side, I I don't do a lot anymore because I'm I'm getting old, but uh, the... You know my my uh, what's that stuff in your you know the memory chips or the the RAM or whatever <laughs> it got, it got, it, got it, it gets filled up and and when I, a new song comes along it probably squeezes something else out <laughs> so there's a lot of songs that I've written songs on my earlier CDs that I couldn't play if my life depended on it right now. I need to know where to begin in terms of key. I usually don't write down chord progressions unless I need to for other people to play along. So, but but even that, if it just uh, if I can listen to it, you know, I can usually conjure it up. But um, a lot of a lot of the stuff that my earlier songs, uh, I don't know. I listen to some old. I've got some old demos on cassette tapes. I was starting to go through the other day and. I thought, man, you know, that's that's melodically pretty good, you know, but uh, it's not memorable. The lyrics not memorable, and it's just, you know, I don't know. So, does that mean that your earlier songwriting career or lifespan was not quite as prolific or as good as maybe the middle or the later? Um. Well, depends on how you define prolific. <laughs> I, I I know recently, and again, having said that, I I try not to waste time writing bad songs, um, or at least songs that I don't care to you know keep singing. Um, my out my average output is pretty darn consistent. It's like six to eight songs a year, and that's been going on for probably. I, I I would say ten fifteen years at least, uh, and it's and it's pretty consistent. And I don't try to do that, but it just just kind of worked out that way. And uh, I have a real good way of keeping track of it until just a couple of years ago, because I belong to the songwriters group, and we get together once a year and we have song circles, and we probably let's see, we have two a day. Uh, so that's um, um, you know, it's a five-day thing. So we'd probably do about eight songs total in, in that period of time. In that period of time, and so I can measure it by knowing that I've got a new song presented every song circle. <laughs> and um, and when I don't, I'll you know I'll just I'll do I'll do an older tune one of my better tunes or one that I haven't done for a while or maybe even a cover. But uh, but that's kind of how I've been able to keep track of it. So is it easier for you to write if someone gives you an idea or a line or a word or when it just comes to you organically, driving or however? 
well, I think it's kind of one and the same. Because um, there'll, there'll be something that comes out of a conversation that you know might trigger something. I, I think that's kind of organic, actually. Um, but uh, I don't know. It, it, I've written to prompts before, and uh, I've written a couple real good songs to prompts. Um, it's not a process that I typically like to do, and uh, but um, every once in a while, you know, a prompt will, will speak to me, and and uh, you know, I'll write a song, uh, and it can be a good song. But but usually it's just. Um, yes. A lot of times it depends on what I'm thinking about at the time, God. I think I sent you my, my, my latest song, which I'm, I'm getting, uh, getting a, a, a lot of good positive feedback on. Um, and it, it was inspired by, it's a song, a, a, kind of an Earth Day thing. And, uh, and I can send you, I can send you an MP3 up if you want to put it on your show. You heard it, right? I, I was able to listen to it, yes. I was not able to download it because I think it came through the cloud it's or something. something. It's on like, SongCloud. Yeah. It's on SongCloud. But uh, I've cleaned, in fact, that's, I've been working on that recording today. Um, I'm just doing this on GarageBand, you know, not using any other musicians. I'm playing um, Guitar, I have to add a little harmonica part and a little mandolin part, and, and I'm trying playing around with just adding a couple little harmonies. But it's kind of a it's an it's an Earth Day type song, and uh, so I've been thinking about Earth Day, and then when I heard the song um, by somebody that I really kind of again it was one of those things where I really kind of liked the vibe of the song. And uh, kind of, it had a real simple chord progression, and it was just a kind of a jumping-off point. Um, and uh, my song doesn't sound thing like it, but uh, it got me started. And and Earth Day just, um, you know, I'm an environmentalist anyway, so it's been on my brain, you know, this, this month and this week in particular. So I just set to writing a song about. You know, saving our saving our planet. If only a song could do that. Oh, I know. Now, how do you? What is? You said you use garage bands to record. What is your setup as far as microphones and so forth? Oh, uh, well, it's it's pretty primitive. I have a um, I have a very old tired Mac, so it's uh, um, there's a lot of things that that. Uh, you know, are physically taking longer because of the age of my Mac, but uh, but mostly it's my lack of know-how. I just it's trial and error. I can't tell you how many times I've erased a track that I didn't want to erase because I was trying to record a new track and I pushed the wrong button or something. But but anyway, I just I just do it uh, uh, on my Mac. I've got a, a Blue Spark um, USB microphone. Which at some point I might want to upgrade. I got I got the thing on. Yes, I think I got it on eBay probably 10, 15 years ago. It's been great, but um, I might be ready for something else. 
Um, have you used GarageBand at all? I, I have it on my iPad, but I have not used it yet. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I, spoke... I can't imagine doing it on an iPad. I, I do it on the desktop. Well, and that's been my my desktop is an older one, and if I try to mm. download GarageBands now, the new version of GarageBands won't download onto my old i iMac. Right, it's not compatible right. with the, the operating system, so I'll be getting mm. a, a probably a, a a MacBook Air or something like that. Although Doug mm. Allen Wilcox says he uses his iPad uh, mm-hmm. with GarageBands, that's how he records. So I guess everyone, it's what you get used to using. Yeah. Yeah, I would find I would find it real awkward to record on an iPad. How does it plug into microphone? You know, I I think you have to have. Oh, it a, does have a USB. It has a USB port, doesn't it? Uh, mine does not. Now maybe his does, but I think he uses some sort of a um, preamp that probably has a USB out. Maybe. Oh, okay. That's the only thing okay. I can think of yeah. because that was my. I meant to ask him when I was on the phone with him, and then mm-hmm. we got sidetracked mm-hmm. doing something else, but. Right. So does does your blue spark just g- goes right into the back of your your computer? It, yeah, yeah. It's got a a USB input, I guess is what I should say. And and uh, and, and you're right. The um, I don't think an iPad has a U, it has a USB port, but the USB part goes into goes into the wall or it goes into your your plugs your adapter. Now, do you record? Your, do you record yeah, your vocal yeah. and your guitar at the same time, or do you record the guitar? Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's uh, typically I do it that way because I'm not making a record or anything. But mm-hmm. uh, the recordings are coming out pretty darn good, and um, you know sometimes it's like this the song that I just did. It. it it sounds so nice. I kind of wished I'd taken the time to do, you know, separate vocal guitar track. But, but for what it what it is and what I use it for, and most people are going to listen to it on their computer anyway. And and uh, it it ain't perfect, but it's right. <laughs> you know, it's um. And I find that that recording recording the vocal and the guitar at the same time, I can feel the song a little bit better. There's something sterile about, you know, doing it track by track, which is the way I've always done it in a studio. But uh, but for the home computer, I do I do them both. Now, it, it, a lot of the, it, a lot you can control that with your setup. Like I like to get myself real this this uh, the way this um, blue spark kind of sits in a cradle and it rocks back and forth and really it's kind of it just sort of flops around. It's not. <laughs> one of the things I don't like about it. But I find that I try to try to build, you know, use a chair or a stool and build it up so that my vocal is more directed into the mic and my guitar is 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 down from the microphone. So the vocal, you know, I keep the vocal out front that way. Now when you recorded you know your you know what I'm Yeah. Now you said you you you've recorded four CDs. Is that correct? You have to say that again. It, you you are sounding muffled on the cell phone. Okay. Now you you've recorded what four CDs? Four yeah four four CDs. Always at the same recording studio or? 
Um, uh, the first one was a different studio, and then uh, uh, the the last three I've done at a studio close to close to here. Um, and in both cases, I mean, they were they were like um, you know home studios. They weren't like a, somebody that was doing that type of thing full time, but. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, it's a tedious process, real tedious. You've done CDs, haven't you? I've, I've recorded. I do have one CD. I've actually recorded two. I've only reproduced mm-hmm. one. I was not particularly pleased with the outcome, but I, I've, I've kind of learned from other artists that we are our worst critic. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Other people may really like what we do, but we may not, so... Now, how did you get? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm picky. I like to I like to get it right. I like to record with somebody that cares about getting it right. But uh, my biggest problem is uh, is I would say musicianship more than anything. I'm not I'm not a real. I don't have great facility on my instrument. I do what I do fairly well, but I do you know kind of kind of simple stuff and um you know when that mic is turned on i get tense we all do <laughs> I, I i agree I, so i've i've had to labor i mean really labor over guitar tracks well but, um, take me back to anyway. what got you started in, in music in the first place I've always I'll go I'll go to my childhood. <laughs> I've always loved music, and and I was influenced by both my parents in different ways. Um, my uh, my old man split when I was three, and but uh, he had he had a, an eclectic taste in music, and he shared that with me and my brothers. And he would um, he moved to um, to uh, New York, Long Island, Massapequa, and uh, we used to go to the farm market all the time. Uh, and they would, this was like a, it was a farmer's market, and in, not a typical place that's just produce and stuff, but these were like big stalls. And of, it was like a flea market, a giant flea market, and there would be bins and bins, different record dealers in there, and they would have bins of records cut out. 45s with holes punched in them and stuff. <laughs> we just go and look for records. That's, that's, that was like one of the big activities whenever I was with my father. So he he, well, he liked to share his record collection, me and my brothers. And then, and then the house that I grew up in, my mom listened to, it was called Hillbilly back then in, in the D.C. area. And we listened to you know, Jimmy Dean and Eddie Arnold and, and uh, Hank Williams. And I was very much influenced by all that stuff. And then Elvis came along and, yeah, I was sold. Elvis <laughs> and Buddy Holly. He was like, okay, <laughs> man, I just, I just love music. But I, I, and I collected records. I was an avid record collector. But I, I really didn't play anything other than a little, make-believe guitar that I put together when I was in elementary school. I used to take it to school. I had this, this like a two-by-four with with, uh, with nails. 
nails in it and rubber bands strung between the nails. <laughs> and I would pretend I was Elvis, Elvis at recess and, you know, stand on a bench, wiggle my hips and make the girls go. <laughs> I thought, hey, this, this is the way to get a girl. But, uh, but anyway, um, I, you know, I just, my, my mother was, she just, we didn't have any money. So, uh, there were, there were no music lessons or instruments or anything like that in our family. But, but by the time I was in college, um, probably very early on, uh, when I first started in college, I, my best buddy, who uh, we were, we were great friends all through high school and, and into college. And uh, he had a Martin guitar, and his brother had a Martin guitar. And uh, he convinced me to give Martin guitar. And we formed a duo called Buffalo Tongue, which is a pretty stupid name, but but uh, but anyway. Um, so we started. We started doing coffee houses and stuff, and it's it's funny, Todd. Some of the songs that we did then I, are still in my repertoire. You know, we did Eagle stuff, and we did El- Elton John and Bob Dylan and Harlow Guthrie, and you know, I still do some of the same songs. But um, probably about about. Uh, Two or three years into all that, I started experimenting with, with writing some tunes, and you know, so that's kind of what what I wanted to do. And then my 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 partner started writing some songs, so we did we did some originals, and uh, and I just I stuck with it. Uh, he moved on and pursued songwriting, and I just I just kept on doing it not as a not as a career or anything but uh but i got more and more serious about it as time went on because i just i've always been attracted to the song itself much more so than the artist you know it's when you in the case of a john Prine or a bob dylan they're they're, they're one and the same because back then you know back in the 50s and 60s most artists didn't write their own songs until the Beatles came along. Now, did you continue to perform after your partner left, or did you did you did you just kind of sing around the house? Oh, I after after who after what now? After your your duo partner moved on, did you oh, continue to perform um, solo? Some, some, and um, particularly when when I moved to this area. Um, I started really getting back into it and did some solo gigs. Played in, you know, the typical places where now I don't like to play, like bars and places where people eat and stuff. Um, but, um, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I've been doing it ever since I've been in West Virginia. That's like 35, you know, well, 40 years almost. But, um, now, do you still own the the uh, original Martin guitar? No, no. That that guitar was a D thirty five, and it, it got stolen. And um, I, had, I had two guitars that that guitar and a, and a Yamaha that was sort of K 
tailored after the D-35. Both of them got stolen. Some kid broke in our house. And, uh, and took both of them. But it, I, I'll tell you what, I didn't miss it that much. I didn't really like that guitar. The, the action wasn't that great on it. And uh, I don't know. I had to fuss with it all the time. So I'm, I, I ultimately replaced it with another Martin uh, a Martin Shenandoah guitar, and I don't have that any longer either. In fact, in fact, I sold that guitar to um, uh, to Max Max Hong. Oh yeah. To turn it into, he turned them into uh, he went to play slide, and and uh, there was some issue with with the um, uh, I don't know the. The, the fretboard was something was screwed up on it, and you know, it, the action it started the string started pulling away from from uh, I can't describe it right, but anyway, it, it got to where it was barely playable. And, uh, and Max said, Well, I kind of like I kind of like it high like that because I want to play slides, so, <laughs> so you bought the thing, but uh, but anyway. I've turned a different different brand. I've had two Takamis and two Blue Ridges. Those are my guitars. Now I've seen you play. I've seen you play the Maple back inside. I think it's Maple back inside right. Takamini. Is that your main yeah. guitar? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I would say. I would say I have a. I have a Steve Warner model because it's got SW on the mm-hmm. on the neck uh, Takamini. But um, but I don't play that as much. It sounds great, but Urban plays nice as the uh, as the maple one. And then you have what'd you say? Two Blue Ridge guitars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're both they're both um, small body guitars, which which I prefer now. It just um, um, I'm, I'm feeling like a feeble old man at times, and just I, I, I can get my arms around the, the smaller body guitars so much easier. And they're just they're just more comfortable for me. Now you had told and, me, uh, yeah, you had told me, gosh, a couple of years ago, I I think that you were doing quite a bit of performing in some of the retirement homes. Is that your main mm-hmm. main mm-hmm. type of gig nowadays? Well, not now. It was. But, yeah. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I may never go back to it. Because um, uh, I, don't, I don't know when, it, when it's ever going to be safe to do that again. But, uh, but yeah, I, 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 um, you know, the, I was in the marketing business and I, uh, um, you know, things changed and, and uh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, at least not this old dog. So I, I kind of just ratcheted down my business, or it, you know, it just it's just started disintegrating. Uh, I got I got on Social Security as quickly as I could, but I knew I needed to supplement my income or something. So I started you know doing these um, senior centers, assisted living places, nursing homes, and stuff, and. and uh, I got to where I was, I was doing like uh, eighty to a hundred shows a year. That was when I first started doing it. I went all gung ho for it, but 
in more recent years, I have you know one or two gigs of that kind of thing. Now, what type if, of? If not, there's one place I play at every month, but uh, and I rotate back and forth between their assisted living in their uh, their nursing care facility. Now, what but type? I I really enjoy doing those gigs because of the music. I just have a passion for songs of their era is pretty much my era now, but uh, but particularly the forties, the thirties, forties, fifties. I just I just love the music from that era, Tin Pan Alley, and, uh, and the early country music, Hank Williams, John Cash. You know, and that's you have to do stuff that 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 they know and can relate to. And uh, so that's that's what I do, and I, I I get a lot of enjoyment out of it, and I I get a lot of gratification knowing that it means something to them because. They, they can really feel the music now if it's done right and if, if, if uh, you know I try to make it about them not about me so it's really getting getting them engaged with it and um, so I enjoy it and I miss it right now because can't play anywhere but that's the last place you want to be playing now did your marketing background help you with your music as far as your CDs and getting things out and advertising and so forth uh, well, I'd like to think it did, but but uh, but it, it 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 didn't do much good, really. I mean, um, I was able to utilize my business and my expertise to put some you know marketing materials, flyers, and that kind of thing together. But uh, but I'm I'm pretty lousy at, at marketing my own music. Um, there's just so many layers to it. I mean, back back in the day was you know before everything became social media and internet based. It was it was a little easier for me because I knew more about what I was doing as far as you know getting stuff in the newspaper and on radio and putting together press releases. And I used my graphic designer to do. The CD layouts and all that kind of stuff, which which I think is very important to to have a nice professional looking package. So so yeah, it helped in that respect. But uh, from the standpoint of of getting anywhere with my songs, uh, I would say no. Um, I just that was just a lot of hard work and trying to make contacts, and, and, and I reached some degree of success with that. I got some things recorded by independent artists and stuff. But, but uh, yeah, I had some songs published in Nashville, but nothing ever made me famous or made me money. <laughs> no, but now when you say published in Nashville, did someone else mm-hmm. record them? Well, yeah, I had, I had, uh, there, there's the publishing side, which, you know, that's just kind of the middleman between your song and and, and, and the artist. And um, so I did have a publisher rep a couple of my songs, and he pitched them to to um, you know prominent country artists of the day. I think I've had had a song rejected by Kenny Chesney and <laughs> some other people like that. But. Uh, um, but the ones that I, the, the recordings that I have were 
like uh, independent artists that I just happened to know about or or learned about somebody looking for material through a you know, a publication or pitching or something like that. Uh, I used to go to bluegrass festivals and get out demos and stuff. I, just, I thought I had some songs for bluegrass artists. But, so anyway, I had limited success at that. I, I've had I had four four cuts by different different people, and two of them were the same song, which was kind of interesting. They must have liked it. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, the first one it was my goal, and I was I was. You know, this is when I had my business, uh, and I started going to songwriting workshops, and just just really getting serious about it. And um, talking about back in the you know late '80s, early '90s, it, it, the the doors in places like Nashville were much much more open than they are now, and um, so you know, I I made some trips down there, and I sent. Nailed out a lot of demos and stuff, and uh, my goal was just to get someone to do one of my songs. That, to me, that would be the biggest thrill in my life. Well, it it happened. It happened in the nineties. I sent a song that kind of was a. It's, it's called "Your Cheating Heart's Gonna Miss Me When I'm Gone," <laughs> and, and 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 it's kind of it was one of these songs that I wrote. I, in fact, it was it was one of the easiest songs that I've ever written because I just had this idea that I was playing in bars and people would request Hank Williams and I, I had one or two Hank songs, but uh, I really liked Hank Williams, so I just uh, started writing down different, you know, paraphrasing stuff from his songs and I put it all into one song, <laughs> and it it came out really catchy. Yeah, I sent it to this guy, and he was a a surveyor by trade. I think he's dead now. I've lost touch with him, and every time I Google him, I I don't get anything. But uh, but he made several albums, uh, and uh, he recorded uh, only Hank Williams songs. And he he actually toured. He toured in Europe and stuff, and um, so. I threw through another another contact. I learned about this guy, and I sent him my demo. And it wasn't me singing on the demo; it was somebody I paid, you know, to to do a demo. Good um, musician, and he just put it together. Charged me like a hundred bucks or whatever. And so I sent him that demo, and the guy wrote back within like just days. I got a postcard saying that I'm I'm getting ready to go to Nashville to record. Some singles, <laughs> free three forty-five singles, and I want your song to be the A side of of one of my singles. And, uh, and so I, I flipped out. I couldn't believe it. And he says, hey, "You're really gonna like this because I've never done anybody else's songs besides Hank Williams." But uh, he says. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna use in the studio. I'm gonna use Jerry Rivers and and Don Helms. They were two members of the Tristan Cowboys, like that, you know, Hank Williams's band. So they're on this record, along with a drummer by the name of DJ Fontana. Have you ever heard of him? I have not. He was Elvis's road drummer. Ah. <laughs> so, 
And in fact, they, he was he was mentioned on the Grammy Awards just recently because he died last year. Um, but anyway, so those those three heavy hitters are all on this song, and it's the forty five single, and the guy promoted it, and I actually <laughs> earned a, a few bucks from BMI. Uh, never cashed the check, still hanging on my wall. But uh, but it came out sounding like. A Hank Williams song. I mean, it just you know, with those two guys, the fiddle player and the steel player from that original Christian Cowboy band, and it sounded like an old time country record. So I was really proud of that. And um, years later, I ended up uh, meeting those guys in Boonesboro, of all places, because uh, Hank had a illegitimate daughter. Her name was Jet. And, she still travels around the country pretending to be a singer. She's not very good. But she was, the band that she used had those same two guys in it, Jerry Rivers and Don Helms. I think they're both dead now. This was back in the 90s. Um, but anyway, they, they showed up at the Boonesboro Carnival one year, and I went over to see them and ended up talking to them. They remembered the recording session and the whole bit. So it was kind of neat. Now, did did you get a copy of the forty five? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got. Uh, I, he sent me about ten of them, so I still got it. And, well, and I'm looking at it right now, hanging on my wall. Well, if if you have ever converted it to an MP3, email it to me. I would love to hear it. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, you know I don't. I've tried to cross that bridge before, and, and I don't have a very good sounding copy of it, tell you the truth. But, uh, but I'd be happy to play the record for you. <laughs> I'll tell you, you want to see it? I'm, I'm looking right at it. Well, hopefully we'll be able to get together in person, and I'll be able to listen to it and then see it in person. That would be so much fun. Yeah, okay, okay. I was I was gonna say I could put the uh, put the camera on. Can you do that while you're talking or do you have to be on FaceTime? I'm not even on FaceTime. This is a spe- that I'm oh. not even using my computer. This is a special uh mixer yeah. that I use. But yeah. but that would be an interesting subject for one of the fame articles in the the uh, Soundpost mm-hmm. newsletter. Mhm. Mhm. Hang hang on a second. Let me see if this will work. Okay. We might get disconnected here, but hang on one second. All right. Are you still there? Still here. Steve. No, you wouldn't see it on your phone, would you? You'd have to be on FaceTime. I'd have to be on FaceTime, which I am not. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> That's okay. Never mind. It was worth a try. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> but that is so cool that you um, you had one of your songs performed by somebody, especially as an A side on a forty five. I remember forty fives. That was my my older brother had the the albums, the thirty three and a third, the big discs. I had lots of forty fives. Yeah, I have. <laughs> I have about two thousand of the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> And hopefully, I'd like, I'd like to unload them, but uh, anyway. Well, I know I, I know someone who might be interested if you ever decide to get rid of them. Oh, okay. He's he's a record collector okay. guy. 
Okay. Well, well, good. Good. Put him in touch. I will. Now, put, put him in touch. Now, jumping forward a little bit, you've been doing the first Friday Coffeehouse series for how long? Um, 15 years. Wow, that's a long time. Uh, yeah, I think we were in our 16th year, actually, when we had to shut down the season. Well, for those folks who are listening who are not familiar with it, describe it. What? What? Where do you do it? What's it? How do you? How? What's the production actually like? Um, hang on a second. Are you still there? I'm still here. Okay. Okay. Good. I had to get that camera off because I was worried about my. So I'm running out of memory. Um, well, I, I originally went into partnership with uh, with a, a preacher friend, um, a guy that married my wife and I, and um, I told him about my my idea of what to start a coffee house, and he was he was all into it. He he wanted to move it forward <laughs> before I was even ready. Uh, and he was pastor at Trinity United Methodist Church at the time. Um, in Martinsburg, and they had this field house um, out on Route 45 that, that you're, you know about because you've played there. Um, and uh, eventually, they uh, we started in the church basement in Martinsburg, but uh, after a year and a half, uh, they had finished that field house, have a, a sound system built in, and, uh, and we were able to move the coffee house out there. So it's uh, uh, nine months out of the year, eight or nine months. Um, I'm trying to shorten the season. <laughs> um, we uh, we have a, a, a coffee house with a feature performer um, who's usually um, um, well up the ladder, a, road, a touring musician, and there's a lot, a lot of talented people out there. You know, they, they script and scrape to, to make money doing what they're doing. And, of course, now it's really hard times for musicians. But uh, but anyway, um, so I have a, a feature performer. and uh, But right, right from the get-go, I, I thought in this kind of a, a rural area, um, we, uh, we needed to have an open mic component to... Uh, to help build an audience, and so we started having an open mic in front of the feature performer, and uh, and that's worked beautifully over the years because it really does feed the audience, and um, you know they we get we have a lot of regulars, and um, I mean they've turned over over the years. The audience has turned over a couple of times over the years because we're whole. We're all old farts, it seems like. <laughs> but we've had some we've had some younger ones play. Um, you know, we we watched one young lady pretty much grow up at the open mic. She would come and she had great voice, and she would stand up and sing, you know, songs from Disney movies, <laughs> Acapulco, Acapulco, what is it, Acapulco. <laughs> Acapella. I'm getting Acapulco and Acapella. That's all right. Wasn't there an Elvis movie, something about Acapulco? Yeah. yeah, right, right. Anyway, she would, she would sing these songs, uh, Acapella, and uh, um, it was really sweet, and her voice got better and better as the years 
went along, and uh, and she still comes and sings every once in a while. We've had a couple of kids that started out there, but um, but anyway, it's a it's a non nonprofit all the way, audience donation, um, and we we would draw thirty. 20, 25 to 40 people, I would say. Average size is around 30. Um, but uh, this year, last year kind of bit us in the butt because we had two snow outs, and this year we, we've got the plague. So we pretty much had to shut down. We'll start up again in September. Now, before we finish the show, going back to your original songs for a moment, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you are asked to perform, let's say, a big venue like the Weinberg at the Maryland Folk Festival or something like that, and they give you three songs to sing, need to be your songs, what are the three songs you would sing? Oh, gosh. Um, well, it depends on, <laughs> depends on who's performing with me, um, you know. If, if I have Andy, who's a wonderful cello player, I'd, pr- I'd probably do Annabelle Lane. That's, that's, I would say that's one of them. Uh, and uh, maybe two others that, that you haven't heard because they're new. Um, one of them, I... Um, you know, this, I'm pretty hot on the birthday song. Um there was a song or two on, um, you had the green CD, right? Train of Life. I have the Carry On, which is the kind of the reddish reddish brown CD, but I do have another one somewhere, and it may be the one you're Train, describing. Yeah, Train of Life. Train of Life. It's got the, what you call the swing tune. Yes. Uh, probably uh, better off with you than Blues on Sunny Day, those songs. Um, there's a there's a tune on that called Land Rover that that uh, it's like in my top five, um, and uh, you know, I don't know. I wrote a song called Renaissance Man. That that was the title of the CD, and, and that, that's a song that a lot of people relate to. That's that's one of them. But but I, my best songs I haven't recorded yet. And this Earth Day song, I'm really, I'm really hot on it because uh, uh, people just, um, you know, I've sent it around to a few folks and they really like it. It's got a good, a good message. I think my lyrics are getting more sophisticated um, as you know my songwriting matures even more. Um, my lyrics tend to be a little bit more sophisticated than they used to be. Um, and, you know, the very, the very best songs are ones that come from my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, just no question about it. I've written, I've written a lot of humor stuff, off-the-wall type stuff, and, and uh, thematic stuff. Uh, even, even Annabelle Lee, I didn't, you know, that's not a song I really feel like something that is a part of me. And when, when you can get that in a song, um, you know, wear your your heart on on your on your sleeve, so to speak. Um, even if you you know you change, you embellish, you change. Um, 
some things. It doesn't have to be your life story, but it can be, you know, bits and pieces of a life story. It 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 really just has more impact. And uh, and I wrote a song like that just fairly recently. I'll 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 send you an MP3 of it too. It's called uh, Only Time Will Tell. And it, it just there's something about a song that um, just comes together lyrically and melodically to convey a feeling that that oh I can relate to that. You know, people can really relate to it. I mean, most of what we hear on the radio now, or in a movie, or on TV, or wherever, you might be drawn in by the music, by the production, by the vibe, by the the melody. If it has one, a lot of today's music doesn't you know, even doesn't even have melody, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, but usually that's what we're drawn to, and the lyrics are secondary. Um, because so many times you don't hear the lyric, you don't hear. I, I can't tell you how many times I've watched that Grammy show, and I, I can't understand the words they're saying. And even if I could hear a lyric, I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes it's so simple, and other times it's just just nonsensical type lyrics, which are okay. I mean, I don't, I don't have anything against that necessarily. I mean, Bob Dylan certainly wrote a lot of songs that. Yeah, Bob. What what the heck are you trying to say there? You know, <laughs> but but he did, he did it in such a such a ingenious way of, of you know every little couplet in every one of his songs has a meaning to it. You know, it doesn't always you know um, add up to tell a you know a story that <laughs> an average person could comprehend, <laughs> but. Uh, but they're just such brilliance in the couplets that he writes that it's very entertaining. Well, if people want to hear more of your music, maybe they want to purchase a CD, how, do, how would they contact you? Do you have a website that you use? or? Yeah, yeah, uh, stevewarnermusic.com, and uh, it'll take you to, um, you know, there's, there's some tracks there. Uh, all my stuff is in iTunes. Um, uh, if you want actually hard copy CDs, CD Baby um, is the source for them, uh, or they can contact me directly. You can get in touch with me through my website or um, or call you. (laughs) (laughs) Call and you you give them my number. That's right. That that Uh, that will work. Uh huh. But, uh, yeah, but I'd say the place to start would be, you know, particularly for downloads, uh, iTunes, I'm in Spotify, iTunes, um, and where else do people go? And CD Baby, those, those three sites are pretty big. I don't, I don't think I have anything on Amazon, because Amazon doesn't, you know, they, they want to jack the prices up on everything so much that people don't want to buy a CD for 25 bucks or whatever. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, um, yeah, so that's, that's the place to start. I would love for somebody to get in touch with me through my, through my, uh, website because it doesn't seem to happen anymore. Unless, unless now I could have, I'll tell you my memory is failing me, Todd. I, I could have blocked it because at one time I was just getting spammed. 
so much spam through the guest book thing. You know, people would would uh, would send me stuff in the guest book, and uh, it just it was all this nonsensical stuff. Well, trying to sell things. well, tell us the web address again. Uh, yeah, it's Steve Warner Music dot com. Well, Steve, this has been wonderful. You know, as I tell people towards the end of my interviews, this hour I spend with you on the podcast is the longest I've ever had a conversation with you and with others, because most of the time when I see other performers, I'm running some sort of a show, a showcase or something, or I'm running sound. So the conversations are generally one to two minutes, even if they're that long. So uh-huh. this has been a lot of fun, and I'm so tickled to find out that you had a a song picked up by somebody out of Nashville and put it on a, a 45. I look forward to hearing his version of your song at some point. That'll be terrific. Well, i'll I'll try to I'll, I'll try to make that happen. That's for some reason I just don't have a good recording of it of in the record itself because um, you know I had one of these these uh, digital record players at one time and it, it kind of wore out and it was such a pain in the butt to, to use that darn thing so um i don't i don't know that i have a way of copying it but i just have to get you over here and i'll play it for you that's what we're going to do as soon as we I'll, can I'll get out a... <laughs> all right well steve thanks again and hopefully all right. we'll, we'll all be able to get out and go play golf and go fishing and go hiking and all kinds of things Ah, I didn't. I didn't know you played golf. Well, I I used to be a nuisance on the golf course. I'm not even sure I could swing a golf club anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the way I'm feeling these days. But uh, it, it, it's a frustrating game. And, uh, it sure is. <laughs> I know you're on the clock. We could go into a whole dissertation about it. But if if I spend as much time trying to get my music, you know, like learning new guitar chops and stuff, instead of trying to figure out the damn game of golf, I'd be much better off. But but it's always a few good shots that makes you keep coming back. <laughs> That's right. Well thanks yeah, again, Steve. Everything. Best to you and All your right. and your wife and hopefully you, we'll John. be able you're welcome and hopefully we we'll be able to get together in person sometime soon. Yep. Okay, cool. Sounds All good. All right, Steve. All righty. Take care and thanks for doing this. Oh you're welcome. Talk to you soon. Yep. Bye bye. Well, that was Steve Warner, stevewarnermusic.com. An interesting fellow, lives in the Shepherdstown, West Virginia area. Prolific songwriter, as he mentioned. He writes six to eight songs per year. As he will says about his songs, and many songwriters, myself included, every song we write is not necessarily a great song. But having heard many of his, he writes some really, really good ones. So... Thanks to Steve, and we're going to go out with his song that he has from his carry-on CD titled The Peace I've Made, and the way he wrote it in his liner notes, he says, I wanted to write a ukulele tune, and this came out. Before day gives way to night 
I wonder what tomorrow will bring In the streets of lust In the squalor and dust I listen to hear children sing And time passes slowly When you're looking back Pictures of the past always fade So I cast my dreams afar I follow a star And trust the peace I've made The Wish Me Mop Music Acoustic Radio Podcast Series is produced by Todd C. Walker at the Wish Me Mop Music Studio in Frederick, Maryland. All music on the podcast is played by permission from the artist. If you're enjoying the series, please feel free to share the link, wispymopmusic.podbean.com, and Podbean is spelled P-O-D-B-E-A-N, wispymopmusic.podbean.com, or you can find the show on either iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Of passionate schemes And I've heard the call of the wild When my heart is frail There's an ancient trail That winds its way to the sky